Welcome to these Bible lessons on the Old Testament. In these lessons, we'll cover God's magnificent creation of all the world, including the creation of man, the crown of God's creation. We'll follow with the sad fall of man in paradise and the consequences this brought to the world. In the continuing lessons, we'll teach how God visits men with the revelation of His covenant of grace. When we travel together through the entire Old Testament, we see God visiting His nation of Israel with revelations of this covenant of grace, pointing constantly to the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope these lessons are a blessing to you. Thank you. Welcome to Lesson 7 in our Old Testament Bible History series. This lesson is about the coming judgment and a way of escape through that judgment. You can follow along in your Bible in Genesis 6 verse 9 through chapter 8 verse 19. And so this would be a very good time for us to remind ourselves that because the Bible is inspired by God, it is free of mistakes. We can completely count on whatever the Bible says to be true. God was present at creation, and he was present at the time of this Bible story. So there is no error in the Bible. It's a true account of what actually happened. And so in the Bible history, we can see who God is. We can see what God does. The Bible also allows us to have some understanding of our physical world. It helps us understand our place in it, and especially the original relationship that we had with God, how it was broken, and how it can be restored. And so this story that we're about to hear is part of that important foundation about the message of salvation. As we begin our story, it's good to be reminded of about how much time has passed from creation to about now, is 1,600 years. And that period of time has been one big, giant descent into sin. And God sees his creation so far away from where he would love them to be, where he planned it to be. He sees that their wickedness is so great. God is a very patient God, but that patience will not last forever. Main expression for God's patience in the Old Testament, is being slow to anger. And so in this story here, we have God going to wipe the earth clean of all this wickedness. Much like you would take a cloth and wipe a dirty window clean of all the dirt that's on it, God is going to clean the earth of the wickedness. And so we also are introduced to Noah in the previous chapter, and this one here, Noah was found to be just and perfect. The word just does not mean sinless, but rather that God saw Noah and he saw Noah's trust. He saw Noah's hatred of sin. He saw that every day Noah turned away from sin and he trusted God. He obeyed God because he loved him. 
Noah was perfect as well. Perfect means without blame and being honest. It does not mean without sin. When sinning, Noah was sorry. He prayed to the Lord for forgiveness. So far in the story, we have the deserved punishment of the wicked and the gracious salvation of the righteous. And so we're going to see that the salvation of the righteous will only come through a punishment of the wicked. Creation here is going to be used to work out God's plan of salvation. And so the announcement comes to Noah. God tells him to make an ark out of gopher wood and to make rooms or nests in there. He tells Noah to cover it on the inside and the outside with pitch. And he tells Noah to build it 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. A single cubit is about half a meter. God also gave precise instructions for there to be three levels in the ark and a window and a door. We can read in, in this chapter here that in verse 17, God says, Behold, pay attention. This is something to listen to. And then in verse 18, it says, I am going to bring a flood of waters to destroy all flesh, and everything is going to die. But with you, Noah, I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark with your family and with two of every animal. The idea of covenant has already been present in the Bible, but this is the first time that we hear the word covenant being used. And covenant is going to be very important in the story of God working out his plan of salvation with his people. And so we see here that God is going to establish a very special, solemn agreement with Noah. God is going to make the agreement with Noah. Noah is not going to do a thing to keep this agreement. And so Noah proceeds. He goes forward in obedience. He believes God that this flood is going to come. And so reverently and cautiously, he goes about building this ark. It must have taken decades to build, to cut all that wood. Maybe he had to train trees to grow in a certain way so he could cut the pieces of wood that he needed. Maybe some early forms of a machine were used. We're not sure. We should keep our focus on what we can learn about God and man and salvation. While Noah was building, I'm sure that he spoke to people that were passing by. He warned them to repent of their sins. He warned them that a flood was coming and to turn away. He told them, there's room in the ark for you as well. If you repent. If he spoke with words, he certainly spoke with his actions. There was nobody that could ignore this giant ark that was being built in this field. And so we also see that the Apostle Peter, much later, called Noah a preacher of righteousness. The people heard and saw Noah, and they didn't like his message. They didn't like to be convicted of their sins, and so they ignored him. They rejected him. And finally, now that the ark is done, and 120 years after God first said that a flood was going to come, it's time. God says to Noah, Come now and all thy house into the ark, 
For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Noah's righteousness is not something that he earned or received himself. That was a gift from God. It's something that is only received by faith. We can read that in Hebrews 11. Here God says to Noah, come into the ark. And that word come means that God is going to be with Noah. He doesn't say go away. He says come into the ark. And he's is told to take seven of every clean animal and two of every unclean animal into the ark. And they all came to the ark orderly, probably much like they came to Adam. And then we read that the Lord shut him in and carefully recorded there in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, in the 17th day, then the fountains of the deep were opened and the windows of heaven were opened. There were floods of water, streams, rivers, spouts of water coming down from the sky. Enormous geysers came up from the earth carrying rocks and dirt. This rainfall had never before been experienced and never has it been experienced like this since. Very large tsunamis of water raced across the surface of the land, carving out canyons and reshaping mountains. For 40 days and 40 nights, the rains came like this. And finally, the highest hill was covered to a height of seven and a half meters. And every living thing died. You can read about how how every living thing died in verses 17 to 23. It's clear that the flood was across the entire earth. It was a global flood, not just a flood that was local to Noah's area. We also see in this flood that God cared for Noah and the animals that were with him in the ark. For 150 days, the ark floated and then it rested on the mountains of Ararat. In chapter 8, verse 1, we read that God remembered. So does this mean that God forgot and now he's remembering again? No, here the word remembered means that God is acting in a way that was going to especially show his promise that he had previously told Noah he would make with him. And so winds came and the waters began to fall away. And within several weeks, the tops of mountains are seen. When Noah sees this, he opens up that window and he releases a raven. That raven does not return because it begins to feed on the bodies of the dead animals. One week later, he releases a dove and that dove returns. Still one more week and he releases the dove and now the dove returns with an olive branch in its beak. This indicates that creation is returning and beginning to grow again. The trees were visible. Still one more week and the dove is released again. And we see this time the dove does not return. And within time, Noah removes the cover of the ark. He looks outside. He sees the ground is dry. And soon God provides Noah with instructions to leave the ark. When he leaves the ark, the same commandment is given to Noah as was given to Adam. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. In all, Noah and his family have been in this ark for one year and ten days. So let's look at how we can understand this message 
and how it's relevant for us today. There is a reason why this is included. And first, we see that God's creation and his work of maintaining that creation is there to serve the purpose of God. And God's purpose is to always work out his plan of salvation of his church. We can see that God is righteous and sin must be punished. God is so perfect that he cannot ignore sin. We can see that God is almighty. He controls creation. He can allow all this water to come and he can make that water go away again. There are three more things I'd like to draw your attention to. I have a question for you now about those floodwaters. Did those floodwaters punish people? Or did those floodwaters save people? Or is it possible that they did both? You see, God always is working out his plan of salvation. There are no events that are not serving God. This flood here shows us that salvation, salvation for those few, came through the punishment of the wicked. Salvation always comes through judgment. God shows us that a gracious, a free, and undeserved salvation will come through a righteous punishment of sin. Just as the ark was lifted up, much later the Lord Jesus was lifted up on the cross. And when the flood of God's wrath and judgment swept over him, then believers were saved in the death and the resurrection of Christ. The ark was safety for Noah and his family, while the Lord Jesus is safety for believers. Let's consider together next that olive branch that the dove returned with. Why that detail? You might know that an olive branch is, is a message of peace or good news. And so here we have this dove coming to Noah with a message of peace, with a message of good news. Good news is another word for gospel. And so my question to you is, who is the ultimate messenger of the good news or the gospel that you know? Jesus Christ came. He brought a message of peace, of good news. God, through Isaiah's prediction in Isaiah 52, verse 7, tells us that the Messiah will come with a message of good news, of peace, of salvation, with a message to tell his people that God is king. And later, Jesus explains in Luke chapter 4 that it was his God-given task to preach the gospel or the good news to the poor. The flood is also a picture of the coming judgment of this world. God can see that our hearts are wicked and God's patience is not going to last forever. There will be a time when this earth will come to an end. Just like in the time of Noah, there was a time when that ark door was open and if people repented, they could have gone in. Today, the door of salvation is open for sinners. And when people repent and believe in the Lord Jesus, they can enter that ark of safety. Just like in the time of Noah, God closed that door, there will be a time when the door of salvation is closed now. And so 
if we listen to the Lord Jesus, he tells us that when this earth resembles the days of Noah, then the end will come. I would encourage you to look in your lesson plan for some very nice connections between the ark of Noah and the Lord Jesus as the ark of safety for believers. That brings this lesson to an end where we have learned about the coming judgment and a way of escape through that judgment. In our next lesson, we're going to learn more about God's covenant with Noah and why we see a rainbow after it rains.